Steam locomotives were some of the most powerful machines ever built. They pulled trains that fueled our imagination. They represented vision, collaboration, ingenuity, customer service, and extraordinary human achievement. But in order to get to their destination, it took someone guiding them through a series of switches in order to get to the main line. Just like leaders today, it takes someone directing them down the right path in order to get to their destination. Welcome to Mainline Executive Coaching ACT, which stands for and Cultural Transformation, hosted by Master Certified Intelligent Leadership Executive Coaches, Michael Bailey and Rich Barron. With over 50 years of successful cultural transformation and quantum leadership development between them. Once again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's show. More benefits from moving beyond your comfort zone? Yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today. We are revisiting John Matone's law number 36, a comfort zone is a disease. This time with a twist. And we got a great, great guest to do that twist with us. Let's put it that way. So this is Rich and Michael with Mainline Executive Coaching Act, A-C-T. That is take action. We've got to act. When you're a leader, you got to act. That's right, right? Okay. And it also stands for and cultural transformation. So as a leader, you must act. And as a leader, you must act and put yourself out there. Take chances. Be open to what is outside the comfort zone for new opportunities and new rewards. We're happy to have with us today an entrepreneur. This is the first entrepreneur we've actually done here. You know that, Rich? We've done yes. This is the first businessman who, who knows how to act and gets get outside that comfort zone. Someone who I have known for many years and admire greatly. Let me introduce to you Al Klein. So we've done a little bit of coaching ourselves, you and I together. Hey, Al, tell us, tell us about yourself and your business and, and where you're from. Sure. <clears throat> um, like I mentioned uh, previously in a precursor to our meeting right now, I've had uh, coaching with Michael dating back almost 15 plus years. And prior to that, probably about 10 years prior to that, I had started an appraisal company called the Appraisal Group. And so I've had my own company now for about 26 years. And when I started it out, to be quite honest, guys, uh, my background in establishing and running a company was, was pretty limited. I kind of learned on the go. And what I do, I do, uh, my company does real estate appraising. We do residential and commercial property appraising. And, it, you know, it's like a lot of people think, oh, my God, you start a company and then you're going to make a ton of money and everything just kind of falls into place. It doesn't work that way. And it takes over a long period of time. I discovered that there are certain things that you have to learn on route. And at some point, when you finally figure it out, it's like, God bless America. This is perfect. And that's what happened to me. I, I, I started out with a company. I had 25, 30 employees and primarily employees, no, not using contractors or anything like that. And, and like I mentioned, the kind of work that I do is real estate appraising, uh, primarily commercial related. It was about three years ago. I decided to simplify not only my business, but my personal life. And that uh, simplification has been tremendous to a point that uh, an office building that I own in Maple Grove, Minnesota, 
I use it, but I don't necessarily have to be there. What I've done, I've transitioned employees into contractors. And with the, uh, the advent of the Internet and the access to, all, to information online, oh, my God, I can be in Mexico. I can be in Florida. I can be in Minnesota. I can be at my lake place. It doesn't make any difference. I can run my company. So I've simplified it. I've got uh, like 10 contractors, which I use, and the company's never been more profitable. So it's taken me 25 plus years to really hone this company. Now I have it down. And actually, now I have overtures of at least one individual looking to to acquire my company. Yeah, I want to talk to you about yeah. that towards the end of that. So, Rich, you got a question for Al here. Well, I, I do. You Apparently, you had an experience that happened a few years ago that changed your life. And it had something to do with an award that didn't quite go the way that you wanted it to go. Do you, do, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it actually dates back into um, like the early 1990s. In, in, in my field, there are two professional designations. One is a, called an SRA for residential property appraising. And the second one is called an MAI for commercial property appraising. And it's a big deal for, for both of these. You get any one of these designations, you're well uh, positioned in the industry, you're well respected in the industry. And so to acknowledge when I get the designation, they have like an award type thing in, in my professional organization. They're probably you know, two, two or 300 people at this gathering dinner type thing. And they, they have a dinner and then they introduce the people that are getting the awards and there were actually several people and i just happened to follow after uh, an individual who was getting his commercial designation which is a step up from the the residential at that point in time and oh my god this guy was so fluent he was just unbelievable he charismatic and and he talked for like five or ten minutes straight and i'm sitting in my chair and i'm the next one going up and I'm going, number one, I didn't realize I had to say anything. So um, I'm watching this, um, and the individual gets his professional award. And then they call me up. They say, Al Klein, we'd like to give you the SRA professional designation. I walk up to the front. They give me the award. I went to say something, and I froze. I couldn't say a damn thing. I'm not kidding. It was humiliating. <laughs> it was my family, my friends. You know, two, three hundred people in my industry. And it's like my tail between my legs, I go slinking back to my table. And it was just uh, overwhelmingly, you know, it was just a, you know, a gut feeling when it just like a panic thing. Like I wasn't prepared mm -hmm. and uh, I was definitely out of my comfort zone. Um, so anyway, that for a lot of people, that may have just kept them down to where they were at. But for me, it triggered me to become a good speaker because I knew in three to four years down the road, I would be up in that platform again to receive a commercial designation, the MAI, the one that the guy before me got, that, that type of thing. And so instead of just hunkering back and feeling sorry for myself or whatever, I got on fire and I did whatever I could do. I, I joined Toastmasters. I went to Dale Carnegie. I put myself in speaking situations that I never would have done before, and I became better. I became better. So the, the thing is, three or four years down the road, I qualify for the MAI professional des designation. They have another uh, big thing. This time, there's like four to 500 people 
And again, my family, my friends, business acquaintances and whatever, this time I was prepared. I was prepared by all the work I'd done the previous three to four years, but also I practiced in front of a camera. I did, you know, for about five or 10 minutes, I was for, I was just, uh, I practiced every day. So when I walked up there, man, I was on fire. I mean, seriously. And I gave the speech of a lifetime. I mean, it was unbelievable. And after I gave that speech and I sat down, people were coming up to me saying, Al, that was the best speech we've ever heard in the history of the getting out designations. And so it just showed I got out of my comfort zone. I, but you had to work at it. It's not like it just comes to you. You have, you step out. Okay. Now you step up. Now you have to act, which is what I did. And as long another thing, uh, one final epilogue to this whole thing is that the individual that actually <laughs> was the one before me when I first initially froze when I was going to give my speech about a year ago, he was applying for a job at my company. So it just shows wow. how Excellent. things turn around over the over time. You know, this is a great story. It's um, and I love it because it it takes the something that just could have been. Nothing could have been blocked, could have been, been worse than that. It's like, ah, now I really feel bad about myself. And I think it's that same kind of adventurous, courageous, take it on, let's do it, let's get better at it uh, attitude that you have taken with, with you know, getting to be a better speaker that you've done throughout your time with being a business owner. Let's just keep pushing it. Let's keep moving ahead. Let's keep making things happen. Let's not get complacent about it. I remember talking to you many times on the phone going, you know, I just got to get this done. I just got to get the process right. I got to get the right people in the right place. You were always just like jazzed and ready to go and hammer away at it to make it really happen. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about with business leaders. And that's a great thing. That's a great thing that sometimes, like you said, people just don't realize that kind of deep down dig in tenacity and character that's required to create success. I think that's tremendous. Yeah, you, you can choose to, to have just a normal, safe life. And, or you can risk and and possibly fail and also possibly win beyond your wildest imagination. And so if you don't take that step and uh, take a risk, you'll never know. You'll never know. And there's a saying by Teddy Roosevelt that, that I, I just remembered, and that's kind of what I just said. I mean, until you put yourself out there and take that risk, yeah, you might fail. However, you might uh, succeed beyond your wildest imagination. All right. Very good. Then there was something else that happened to you. There was something else that happened recently. It's just, uh, again, out of left field. Share us that, that experience. It's, uh, it's kind of uncomfortable, but, but I'm telling yeah. you, guys have got to take this on, especially the guys that are listening. Yeah. yeah. I think it's really important for, for guys over 40 to be aware of what I'm about to say, because it's very commonplace in, in man over 40 years of age. And I, I'm a family of 10 kids. I've got uh, five older brothers. One, unfortunately, has already passed away. Uh, and, and so I'm the youngest of six brothers, 10 kids in the family. Wow. I watched, I'm, I'm watching all my family age. You know, they're all ahead of me and I'm watching my brothers and I'm also watching what kind of physical ailments that may come down the pike. And uh, unfortunately, two of my older brothers developed prostate cancer. And each of them respectively um, had their prostates taken out. And, and, you know, there's been no reoccurrence of, uh, of 
cancer, which is a, a beautiful thing. Here's the deal. On August 2nd of 2020, I went for a regular checkup type thing because my PSA count, that's what they use to, to dictate whether your prostate's healthy or not healthy, had gone up a little bit. And so they'd taken a biopsy and and like we're having a video conference right now, I, I get a call from my doctor and he says, Al, I got to tell you, we found cancer in your prostate. Oh, man. And yeah. And so it's like for me, it, it wasn't shocking. But to hear the word cancer, it's like, oh, my God, what the hell? How could this happen to me? And it, it really it really changed my life. It, it, it woke me up and and. To, and, and so I started doing them, not immediately, because it takes a while to kind of absorb what, what just was being told to you. And But after a period of time, I, I met with two urologists, a radiologist, and looked at all my options. And all the options that were shared with me were involved either you know radiating the prostate or taking out the prostate. Each one would likely be successful because they told me, actually, my prostate looks very healthy. And the cancer actually is contained within the prostate itself. Um, but there are side effects, and, and they're, they're not good side effects, one being incontinence, the other being sexual related. And I got to tell you, I didn't like either one of those scenarios. And so I was very proactive um, going online, speaking to the two urologists I went and spoke to, et cetera. And, and each of them respectively are saying, no, here's what you got. Yeah, there's a new radiation treatment, but we don't know if it's going to be any different or anything like that. And I, I just was not satisfied because they were all relating back to the same, same situation. Like, oh, my God, they're going to take it out and I'm going to have issues like this. I went online and all of a sudden out of nowhere, I shouldn't say out of nowhere, but it popped up. It's a, a book called All About the Prostate. And I recommend this book, to, and I'm not promoting this. I, I, I have nothing to do with it, but any guy over 40 should buy this book, All About the Prostate, because this could, by, uh, get this, by age 80, 80% of men will have prostate cancer. 80% by age 80. They're not gonna, They're not going to die of it. They just have it. They don't even know they have it. And I, I may not have found out about it either unless I had been proactive going to the doctor. But the point being is this, I read that book, I went and uh, challenged the second urologist who was, you know, trained at the Mayo Clinic, very, he's done this for 20 years, 2,000 patients and everything like that. He's saying, Al, your prostate is so damn healthy, we got to take it out. And I'm going, <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand this, if it's so healthy. And as a matter of fact, two, M, two, MR, two different MRIs that they did showed no evidence of cancer, none, none at all. But they're saying, well, it's in there, so we got to take that, you know, what out. And, uh, and I, but I, I just was not willing to accept that, and I kept pushing and pushing. And finally, um, the second urologist, and he's a good urologist, he's down to earth, and he's, but he's been trained to, to do what he does, and he's probably very good at it. He said, well, Al, there is one thing that, we can, that has come up over the past couple of years. And what they do, they send the biopsy to a clinic, that specializes in genomic study. And they'll actually look at the cancer that I have and, and they'll identify how advanced it is or, or what, whatever the situation might be. And it's not a cheap test, but it actually was covered by uh, health coverage. Anyway, so it took about three weeks for this to come back. And in the meantime, the urologist was telling me, 
Well, you, you know, you, 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 your prostate's too healthy. We got to take it out. I mean, it was that kind of a thing. Anyway, I was sitting on my couch in my living room waiting for the call from my doctor. And, uh, and he called like five minutes before the expected call. And I, t- I take the call and he, and he says to, to me, Al, I got good news for you. And I, I can't believe it. He said the study came back, this genomic study, which is something relatively new, but it's it's on it's right on, baby. I mean it is, because prostate cancer is very slow moving, that type of thing. He said the study came back and he they said based upon your biopsy, there's a 0.7 of one percent, point seven one percent that in the next five years that this would turn into anything. And there's a one and a half percent in 10 plus years that this would turn into anything. And I'm going, you got to be kidding me. So why would I? They're telling me my prostate looks healthy. I feel fantastic. I have no symptoms. And then he went on to say that they said, well, by the way, if we do take out your prostate, there's a 20 percent chance it may come back. So why in the world would I ever, ever have considered doing it? So. Um, what I, you know, I got out of my comfort zone. I could have accepted what was being told to me and I chose not to do it. The likelihood of anything ever happening. Well, and that's, by the way, that's with me doing nothing, not being proactive and, and what it's done. I've, I've gone out and I've lost, you know, 20 pounds. I've got onto a more healthy, uh, regimen of nutrition and I'm taking supplements, etc. All these things that, that will even inhibit and possibly even, mitigate the, the the cancer that's contained within my prostate you know so, what i love about your story al yeah you know what i love about your story it's that character that you have of confronting adversity of not letting the adversity get you down because you know adversity wants to push us back into the comfort zone once in fact in fact it wants to keep making that comfort zone smaller and smaller and more and more restricted you've not allowed that to happen in your life you've been courageous you've been brave You've been able to take a look. Let's go take a look at the hard things. Let's go take a look at doing the, the difficult things. Let's go and do that. And, and that's that's what I wanted to why I wanted to bring you on today to share your stories about. Obviously, this is not a medical show, but it is about character. It's about character with leaders and leadership and not letting you know adversity happen to us, not letting life happen to us, but rather, rather going out there, pushing back and making life happen as much as we can on our terms. That's the great thing about your story here, Al. Well, well, it is. And, and again, I, I have a saying that I say a lot, almost every day. And whenever I say it, I become motivated. It's very simply, I act boldly and unseen forces come to my aid. It's like you step, you take that one step out, baby. Just take it out, take a little bit of risk. And all of a sudden, all aid from all different directions, people that you may not have ever met before come into your life. Or just that one individual that out, out of nowhere makes a difference in the in the curvature of, or the direction of your life. So to me, it, it's just you know taking a risk, living life with a risk, and and having fun. That's beautiful. You, I couldn't have said it better. Thank you so much. Thank you so very much. All right, glad you came on. I'm glad we did this. Thank you so very much, Al. You're Great welcome. Podcast yeah. with you today. So all right, Rich. Sometimes you need a little bit of help to get out there, you know, get out there and get past the comfort zone. Absolutely. So tell us, uh, tell the folks what it is they can do if they want to get a hold of us and get a little bit of help here. Okay. For, I'm just going to say something first real quick. For all you leaders out there that, that are listening, 
or, or will listen to this podcast, if you're sitting in your comfort zone, if you think that everything's going wonderful and you kind of kick back, you know, revenues happening, you know, you've got uh, great people on your team. I got to tell you that, that that clock's ticking. And if you're sitting in your comfort zone and you're not ready to, to, to be, if you're not agile enough, if you're afraid of that change, if you're not using the people around you, you're going to get caught in a hailstorm that is not going to be fun to get out of. And I, I can tell you, I've seen this time and time again with other leaders. It's happened to me. And this comfort zone that we're talking about and some of the stories that Alice talked about is being proactive, being ready to, to make those changes as, as it comes. You know, I was told years ago by a very great leader, great uh, supervisor of mine. And one thing that I've always, you know, and I learned this early on in my career when things went south because of uh, being in that comfort zone and having to dig my way out of it, literally changed overnight. Uh, you know, if, if, if it's not broke, break it and learn how to fix it. Don't have the attitude if it's not broke, you know, everything's okay. I'm not going to do anything. And I don't mean literally break it, but have a backup plan. Be agile. You know, be ready to move on. And coaches can help you. We can help you, Michael. And I can help you learn how to get out of that comfort zone and stay out of it. Literally, stay away from that comfort zone. It's it's a bad place to be for leader. It's it's a deadly place to be for leader. It can kill your career. It can kill your organization. It is not a good place to be. So if you and if you want to find out more about that, hit us up. M Bailey at intelligentleadershipec.com. R Baron at intelligentleadershipec.com. And richbaron.intelligentleadershipec.com is a website, which is going to be changing names here real quick, and we'll let you know what that's going to be. But once again, I hope you learned something for today. Thank you, Al, very much. Awesome, awesome stories and awesome uh, examples from a great leader. And so once again, hope you enjoyed today's show. Thank you, and take care. All right. All the best. Thanks, Al. Thank Thank you. With all of the issues facing leaders and organizations today, you need executive coaching more than ever. Go to our websites, richbaronexecutivecoaching.com or michaelbailey.com. You can also find us both on LinkedIn. Reach out to us and let's sit down and find out just how bright your future can be with executive coaching. We'd also like to thank all of our supporters in over 60 countries and 600 cities worldwide will help to make us one of the top executive coaching podcasts in the world. From Rich Barron and Michael Bailey, this is Mainline Executive Coaching ACT. Thank you and take care.